Hello, Annie Trenders. Welcome back to the Anime Trending Podcast. Tis I, James, your perennial host, and joining me, we have one of the usual suspects and a special guest. Yes, this is Nika. I'm recovering from my uh, anime expo, so I took a week off. Um, but actually, I didn't, because we have so many things we have to write <laughs> after Anime Expo, but I'm here. And hello, I am the special guest for this podcast. It is Agnes from the Girl Taku podcast. Yay, Yay. we have another Girl Taku member on. Woo! This is all very exciting. I was secretly hoping you'd do the, like, this is Agnes thing that you did. Oh, okay, I, I could do that for you. <laughs> nah, nah, this no, it's good. This, this different iconic all right <laughs> poor gracie oh, she is so gracie's busy not here right and we now. just fall to pieces yeah, it's yeah. Like, well okay so that was the funny fact so i was trying to withhold why gracie was out besides the fact that there's just crushing amounts of work from anime expo both with anime trending work and outside anime trending work and i wasn't going to spill the beans until gracie was here just because like i found out why she was so busy in the weeks leading up to anime expo um, so oh, I guess yeah, I can okay. just use this wonderful opportunity right now that <laughs> you have my permission because yeah. this actually affected the recording schedule. It actually did. Yeah. No, I, I originally I thought Gracie was going to like just have to admit it and then we would kind of laugh and then move on. But now it's like, oh, man, this actually did affect everything. But Gracie ended up watching 20 hours of Final Fantasy 16 cutscenes, which is very understandable um it just kind of destroyed the whole work schedule going forward because we had anime expo she um, tried to finish all of her reviews before we go to anime expo like she usually does every year but because she was so distracted watching final fantasy 16 cutscenes and crying over it for like a whole week and then scouring youtube for videos to explain the ending of final fantasy 16 that she actually neglected writing i think two or three of her reviews there's like two of them. And so yeah. the the Wednesday after AX, when we were supposed to have a recording session, she's like, I'm busy. We can't do it uh, because she needed to write reviews, which she didn't do because she was too busy. Realistically, we Final were Fantasy not going to record on that. I mean, because Anime Expo ended Tuesday, we were all flying back to our place. I was I was ready to record one. I spent my Wednesday recuperating. Yeah. Yeah, maybe, maybe I could I could have done it. it. Like it would not have been like as in depth for this episode as like it would have been last week because last week it would have been like, hey, let's flex because we just did a entire panel at Anime Expo and like that was kind of like just a reflection on the weekend and who we talked to and what we got. Yeah, it would have just been us. it would have been an episode similar to our convention wrap up we did for Fanime and Anime Central. Yeah, so I mean, I, I had a great time. We were all there. We had we were all at the panel. Um, Agnes was the glue to keep the panel running because she (laughs) (laughs) was not on stage but really helped out like run all everything behind the scenes it's uh it was a good panel it went really well Nick you were gracious enough to wear the silly hat that I brought you and you were silly enough to own a silly hat for me to wear multiple silly hats yep um but yeah we were at anime expo we had a panel uh I was going to say to all of you that all of you listeners that attended, thank you for coming. But like we did like a little in the panel room survey of like how many of you have been following anime trending for like, you know, six months or like put your hands down or whatever. Uh, Most of the room, I think, had never heard of us before. The good thing is that we had a very high turnout of almost over 200 people. Oh, yeah, I was super. I was. Yeah, it was so cool. So. 
at least our name is out there. Even if they don't follow us, they can spread the word. That's the most important part, right? Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. just it's just so hard when it was like one in five people like have heard of you, and then the other eighty percent, you're like, wait, why are you here? Like, I was like, are you trying to escape yeah. the heat? But like, they all lined up outside because of how that outside, LA yeah. convention center works is like they're all standing on the tape outside. And, like, you can't just, like, line up or hear something going on in one of the panel rooms and just walk in. You you have to, like, start you have from to, the outside. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Like, they made the conscious decision to stay in line for the heat um, to see yep. us. And so I'm very flattered about that. Plus, we had some really sick uh, vinyls to give away, courtesy of Milan I'm Records. so jealous of those giveaways. They were test pressings, dude. There was even that test pressing that, that um, I think Will from Milan Records showed off of the JoJo's Part 6 final, which is not out yet. And I was kind of like, oh my gosh. Uh, like, part 5. Part 5, Part 5. It had Giorno on it. You're right, it was Giorno. Um, but yeah, it was like that. That was like not released yet. And I was like, oh my gosh. Okay, they're not giving away that, are they? And like, okay, they didn't. But like, I kind of wanted that. <laughs> like, it was so yeah, They gave away a ton of other. There was somebody like in the fourth row on the, on like stage right that oh, yes. <laughs> um that like when we I were doing exactly the raffle they got about. like increasingly excited every time we read out a number and then did the like classic dramatic disappointment move every time it wasn't her number especially since i think she wanted literally the last vinyl that we gave away and so Aww. she's like there's another chance there's another chance there's Aww. another chance the guy that i heard on the right side of the panel i just heard him go God fucking damn it! <laughs> just like, yeah, that's, oh a my God. that's who I heard. That's who I remember. <laughs> Giveaways are great, especially when it's like not your stuff to give away. So like, we didn't feel any of the financial heat. That felt great. Everyone was like, <laughs> well, financial I mean, heat. <laughs> here's here's the secret. Here's the secret sauce. Uh, they can't sell the test pressings, so either mm-hmm. they get given away or they get thrown away. Yeah, no, yeah, you have a good point. Yeah, it's like how. Um, Nick, when we were in DAC, we would get, like, free stuff to give away, and half of it is stuff that, like, like they just couldn't sell. Yeah. Because, say, like, the merchandise license expired, or the, the like, the physical media license expired. Uh, that stuff gets given away because you can't sell it, but there's usually, in those kind of, like, licensing deals, like, space to give stuff away. Like, oh, man, this, uh, this expired, you know, our, our license expires tomorrow. Okay, well, we know somebody that is doing a giveaway. So we'll say that we're giving it to them today before yeah. it expires. And then we'll let like the postal service take care of whatever as they ship it over. Yeah. And it's funny that you mentioned that because we, we were also giving away those random uh, clear folders that we just still had from Warner brothers Japan <laughs> because mm, we were giving year. those away last year and we still somehow had like 50 to give away. Um... Oh, we had more than 50. We, if every, who who every was holding on to that, that this whole year? Because we had Clock a was. Clock was. He had them. So it's because we helped out. I remember helping. Yeah, yeah. Those we clear we, files we handed them out at the Warner Brothers Japan panel last year. Yeah, because it and was then, it was JoJo's Part Six, and it was like the other side was bastard. Bastard. <laughs> An exclamation point. <laughs> um. Yeah, I think after at the end of that, I don't know who from Warner Brothers Japan talked with Quack, but they were basically like, "Yeah, um, we don't want to have to fly these back to Japan. Uh, please take a box." I, I'm just surprised he held on to it this this long. I would have been like, "Okay, well, 
That's cool. I, I think he's been looking for a way to get rid of them and just hasn't had the opportunity. Hmm. And this was the perfect opportunity. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we look great for doing that. It's so funny. <laughs> Everyone was really excited. Like even the AX volunteers who are helping us like usher people in the door. One of them was just like, I'm just going to take this clear file. Okay. He just like nabbed well, one from the, the pile. Secret, and I'm the just like, that's okay. Throughout was like, we, we were always presenting the, the clear file, like JoJo's side up. I think. Yeah. It was like it was like I was trying to do that experiment. I was like, "Do you want the JoJo's clear file or do you want the bastard clear file?" And people would just like take the the JoJo's clear file last year. <laughs> but yeah, it's the same. It's, it's the like same one. It's the same one. same one. Yeah, they're just double sided. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. AX was great. We did some cool interviews. Uh, at some point, I think I'd like to go more in depth about it because, yeah. like, I'll be honest, we did some pretty like wild interviews like i know nick you interviewed um big video game man yeah we Um, because i talked to kodaka um creator of danganronpa for his new game yep uh we interviewed a horse and we're gonna be on a horse we're gonna be on nhk for interviewing that horse (laughs) (laughs) at one point i was like we interviewed a horse and then i realized oh yes i remember not just now. any horse uh the horse the one and only gunma chan okay i think the funniest thing was in the in the chat when i took when i first went to the booth and got a picture with gunma chan it was like i took a picture with a horse and i think it was quark's response it was like wait it's a horse <laughs> why does quark <laughs> like, not know, know. Gunma, that's that's horse like right uh uma uma is horse oh you're right you're right right it's, it's close enough though like from the the pun uh yeah, it, it depends on the character i think how you write it at yeah. the end of the day so i don't think it might be a pun when you pronounce it but not so much the character yeah i mean it, there may just be like a reason why it's a horse though like i remember uh Nimin, the mascot for nimi city which is mm-hmm. this tiny town uh, that I only know about because uh, Nick, our mutual friend Truman, used to work there. Uh, oh, yeah, it's yeah. because Guma yeah. is a center of horse breeding and trading activities. Well, there we go. So it just That's so happened to kind of rhyme with Uma, like the Uma from Guma. Yes. Yeah. Wow. That's. That's what it says on Wikipedia, at least. I just. Wow. Didn't thank you. Look. Yeah. That's awesome. Horses also became a vital part of Japanese military produce uh, maneuvers. And it quickly displaced the older Yayoi tradition of foot fighting on foot. So this is a very, very old prefecture. <laughs> it was yeah. like dating like so far as like even like the um before the Heian period. So this is a very wow. important time okay. period. Yeah. I'm trying to I'm trying to remember like when would horse get to Japan? Uh you can have two options. It's either during during Ice Age. Or it is during just general migration between like China and Japan. Right. That makes that makes a lot more sense. I had a very Eurocentric like I just I'm like horses are from the Middle East and they went to Europe and I completely forgot that there is an entire other continent. Yeah. Attached to mounted all of that. riders were a huge like a huge thing in ancient China. Uh, a lot of big name heroes rode on horses and used a lot of lances. Why yeah, like FGO, my man? my my horse boy, Red Hair, the yeah, only horse should, I know. Yes, there you go. There's your FGO uh, history right there. So oh, don't worry. FGO history will be coming back later in the episode. Oh, Jesus. Oh, God. I don't even know what you're talking about now. Okay, well, 
let's anyway no sense, no sense stalling the inevitable we're gonna get to your your reference at some point um yeah um but yeah ax was good it was wonderful and uh, we'll talk about it more at some point look forward to our coverage i have a uh, interview with people from a farming company making an anime it's pretty wild um but we have we have a chart to look at for our chart check uh which we reveal initially at our panel uh but considering that there were only like you know a hundred plus people there and i i was about to be like and our listenership is larger and i'm like is it i haven't checked let's go over <laughs> let's go over the uh top 10 most anticipated anime here uh this was released on july 2nd uh and uh let's get right into it so we have in first place jujutsu kaisen season two in second place, Mushoku Tensei Jobless Reincarnation Season 2. In third place, Horimiya, The Missing Pieces. In fourth place, The Girl I Like Forgot Her Glasses. In fifth place, Bleach Thousand Year Blood War, The Separation. Sixth place, Zom 100, Bucket List of the Dead. Seventh place, My Happy Marriage. Eighth place, Bungo Stray Dogs Season 5. Ninth place, Masamune-kun's Revenge R. And 10th place, Rent-A-Girlfriend Season 3. Let's all give it up for Rent-A-Girlfriend. It's back. We <laughs> The show we love to hate. Yeah, so we discussed it. We didn't actually have that much time to discuss it during the panel, so I'd love to hear your thoughts on the anticipated uh, anticipated chart. Watching Jujutsu Kaisen season two with like barely context from the first season, um, yeah, it's, oh, no, I understand no. why it's popular. It's it's really fun, like the whole time. I don't know. I just I just get this sense of like half the characters are sharing the same brain cell, but like the um, actual genuine action pieces within the animation, as well as just the sound design. Like I I just think it's just a really top notch show, and I've been really enjoying what I saw so far. Um, there's a couple questions I have not having like like having a like 16 episode gap that I hadn't <laughs> watched between season oh, one and season two. There's a lot of oh questions, <laughs> but I'm I'm very much enjoying Gojo's Bizarre Adventure. Gojo's um, <laughs> Bizarre Adventure. Um, That's such a oh my god. That is a good pun. Well, because it's like I'm watching it, being like, oh, he because like from the beginning of the show, I'm like, oh, he does have main character vibes, and I'm like, oh, I guess he is just playing main character the whole time at this yeah point. he is well it's it's his past right so yeah. this is the whole explanation of why the current jujutsu kaisen environment and the schools are kind of in a shitty place in the yeah. first season is because everything of the events that happens in season two mm-hmm. it's the lore season yes yeah, the lore season it, it does help like again no context before being like oh okay this is very much like they're still kind of doing small establishment stuff that it's easy for like me with no context based on like only things I know is just like main timeline. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's actually easier for me to get into from that point, but it definitely does benefit because it's trying to serve as like an explanation for like a lot of like, like what you said. Um, yes. Yes. Because a lot of those characters, well, we all know that Gojo is very important in season one, mm-hmm. but there is a primary antagonist in this season two that is pivotal for season one's events. So we will be seeing that very shortly. 
Um, I want to give my input for Jujutsu Kaisen season two because I didn't. I haven't watched it yet. I haven't had time to sit down and watch it yet. But Gracie watched it, so <laughs> my substitute, my funny did. story, as her replacement for this podcast is she was texting me. And so she was showing me all the really hot characters from Jujutsu Kaisen 2. And I'm like, oh, yes, they're all very hot. I am bisexual. I accept that they can step on me and this is fine. The kicker was she showed me a picture of the of one of the side characters who's going to be a very pivotal character moving forward um, past the season one sort of like arc. And he is uh, Fushiguro. Uh, the oh, older, Fushiguro. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. older Fushiguro, and Gracie was telling me like, "Wow, he's so hot!" Da 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 da. And then I told her like, "You know what's actually really funny, Gracie?" She's like, "What?" And I'm like, "Did you realize that on the MBTI database, he's actually an ISTP?" And she just, <laughs> she, just like, she, she just disintegrated at that point. You Uno reverse carded Gracie. Holy I did reverse carded Gracie. I'm like, "Ha, bitch! I got you this time." Yeah, because she's absolutely normally the one that's uh that's like, oh, this character's like you, and we're like, please stop, we can't. Yeah, take she like snarks it at attacks. me, and so this time I'm just like, yes, this is my reverse Uno moment. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I have to share for it, because otherwise, afterwards, she just shared me May May, um, the the white haired chick, uh, mm-hmm. from Jujutsu Kaisen season two, and I'm like, ah, yes, she has mommy vice, I accept. <laughs> oh my gosh! All right. I I not watching Jujutsu Kaisen season two because I didn't finish season one. I did watch oh, okay. the movie, but it's good. Yes, 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 yes. I know a lot of people right now in the Sakura community really like uh, season two more than season one and the movie, and they were saying that the visuals and the Sakura is much better and it flows a lot better. So if you have time to sit down and watch it, James, I think you're in for a real treat. I'm very glad that you kind of like added the qualifier qualifier of like if I have the time. <laughs> uh because we all know for well i don't oh my gosh i'll, I'll try I'll, I'll i i i will i will genuinely make an attempt you can binge watch it when it finishes honestly mm-hmm. there's there's no rush in it <laughs> so don't yeah, dig it, don't dig I, it too hard i do have like i think if i schedule my flights correctly i will have like a solid 72 hours between when i move back for school and when school actually starts so uh we can try to compress two seasons worth of shows into 3 days we'll make it happen maybe yeah up to you there's totally enough time Mm -hmm. any other i i have something i want to mention i guess mostly because i've seen the internet like collectively dunking on go hands oh my god i'm ready to throw hands at go hands i am not okay with what i saw and like the worst part is is that it's not even the only show go hands is working on because once i realized that they had another show as i was watching it i was like actually in so much despair um (laughs) But yeah, their, their other one is the masterful cat is depressed again today, right? Yeah, yes. and it has so much unnecessary BS in the like visuals. Like, oh my god, dude! It's I, it's really uh... funny that you say that because I actually enjoy the masterful cat. Gracie's because, enjoying it too. Yeah, only because like we've totally like accepted the fact that Gohan's is like unredeemable at this point, and all we're just watching is just Mister Cat and his absolutely um, and yeah human like, he lives like it's funny the thing so, okay so let, let me okay let me calm down go off <laughs> really pissed off well okay so <laughs> the number four with the girl i like forgot her glasses people were really high on the anticipated because it had a lot of key art and i think i think gohan's is a studio that people don't realize is the worst animation studio ever until this season because i think 
that like hardly anyone watched handshakers and it's like basically right, watched that didn't you picture definition of how not to like how how like how not to like make a camera angle like because it's it's like imagine like shaky cam the whole time during an action fighting sequence that's like enough to give the viewer motion sickness for like no reason it, it's like it's like that sort of level that just drives me absolutely nuts because the girl i like forgot her glasses is just full of just these crazy angles like that without actually doing anything about it. It's like, I feel so bad for everyone who's got to do these in-betweens because like the keyframes are just so wild to be like, all right, you got to fill in between this. And you're like, excuse me. Like this is a... like never a shot that doesn't have something moving in it. Yeah. It's, it's like a yeah. 360 degree panning. The camera is moving up. Now it's like at the shoe level of the, like, it's so hard to describe this on audio because like, just, just watch the one sequence. Like that has like every sin. And like, the worst part is like, it thematically makes sense why they have to have like the long panning shot. It's just the camera is like, it feels like you're watching like an old, like source filmmaker, like my first like 3d animation thing. And it's frustrating because you know what the director's just like looking at himself being like, yeah, I just totally reinvented I'm so, I'm so good at my job animation. And I'm like, this is like, this breaks every single like rule just because not like for any reason. It's just like, it's just very disorienting to watch. Yeah. I think the director is very eccentric in that way for Gohans, is that he insistently uses this style. And then when I was watching some of the clips, especially from that, and then also from like the Masterful Cat, it's kind of like he has like a hodgepodge of inspirations that he pulls from other animes to mm-hmm. create this, but it doesn't really make a lot of sense, nor is it a great homage either. So I'm just kind of like, mm, this is an interesting so, touch. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. And like the funniest part about the Masterful Cat is depressed again today. The opening scene straight up looks like it's one for one from like the psychopaths opening scene because it's like the <laughs> shot of the tower, the whizzing by helicopter, like the crazy noise that they did with it. And you're like, wait, this is supposed to be like a four coma slice of life about a cat that cooks and gets sad. Like, why is the shot so intense? Yeah. No, I know what you mean. Yeah. I think also I w- I kind of came to this wonderment of I wonder if Instead of him, like, just going through all these motions and creating this, I wonder if he has, like, a a drone that goes through a lot of, like, the recording of, like, cityscapes and stuff like that. And he just basically bases off all his shots on, like, drones. Maybe. I mean, that could be that old Because the human brain, I don't think, is that capable of, like, doing the weird long leg down on the floor shot and then somehow panning up and keep moving that way. I feel like that can only be achievable if you have something like a drone, or or it's like a three D think... modeled environment where like if you if because like how three D animation is like you could just change like the camera oh, perspective at that it, point right? in a virtual yeah. space. That's true. Like a lot of the angles are just like it's just virtual camera angle at that. That's point. That's true. Yeah. Um, but the problem is like they have to have like the in between frames. It's not like it's full three D that they could just rotate that around and still kind of have a semi smooth transition. It's like they are also combining like the 2d animation but while using the 3d as the perspective so it just makes like so much hard work on like shots that like ultimately don't need that much attention like emotional wise like like i felt like that in the mashable cat is depressed because the first five minutes i feel like are riddled with just these crazy intense shots or even like the first moment in the office where it's like the 
low angle shots. There's like this random spot up someone's skirt. There's like these random like like just, oh, it's just no, really an upskirt shot. It's like really sharp on the eyes. If that makes sense, it's just like very hard cutting and re- weird distorted angles. But this is supposed to be like a setting, like a set piece thing. I'm just saying this is her job at this is our main character's job at the office. And this is a normal day and it just feels so intense. But then like later in that first episode, we go back to the office where everyone is working like a madman. And like, it's actually more like it's less animated. I'm like, wait, did they just run out of the budget like halfway through? And we're like, okay, I guess we can't do the crazy shots anymore. Even though like if they actually were trying to do this throughout the the, the series or the show, like this would have been like the moment I think where, they could just use the, their crazy signature chaotic camera angles because the moment is very chaotic and probably calls for it. And so, like, like those are the spots where I'm like, it just feels like so much tonal mismatch, like in the in the shot. Where like because the shot's so intense, like in a spot that like shouldn't be intense, that I just I just started feeling weird about it. And then I was like, wait, oh my god! I half halfway through, I was like, oh my god, this is Gohan's, isn't it? And then it would just it just all clicked, and I was like, oh, these decisions make perfect sense, but I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Suffice to say, I feel like for us, our highly anticipated anime is not the girl I like forgot her glasses, but literally is, the masterful yeah. the cat is depressed again. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. I, I would continue with the masterful cat is depressed again because like again, I personally thought they ran out of budget halfway through the first episode because then the show started becoming more for coma comic style. And I was like, oh, there's like not much animation. So it was it was just those first five minutes that they were like, they just dumped all the budget on it. It like looked like. But why <laughs> that's the first question <laughs> it's so intense it's yeah. a cat i don't know i'm like looking at my cat being like how come you don't bake for me <laughs> oh yeah we should try to teach your cats how to bake oh my that God. will surely be an endeavor that will never go wrong and only produce excellent results yeah i cry i i i love it when the cat goes into the shower and is trying to like clean her shower <laughs> but he has to wear like this coverling to cover his entire body mm-hmm. gloves and then, like the shower cap hoodie to cover his ears and but literally dressing the... like he's going into a silicon valley clean room of just yeah, like... <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah exactly and then he and then he, at one point he accidentally gets sprayed with the water because he turns it on and he just screams, he like yowls <laughs> because he gets water Perfect. on him. And then Gracie also likes the fact that um, his ears flick, yeah, as well, yeah. which is a very cat-like response to. And it's like any random moment throughout the series. It could be like when he hears her come home, so his ears flick, or when it's just like in transition between scenes too. So it's a very attentive touch for um, my masterful for my masterful cat is depressed today. But yeah, the animation is questionable at best. <laughs> they just, they have yeah. talent. It's just, they use it in like the most unnecessary ways where it's like, oh, this could have been better on these spots, but they put it all on like the the helicopter scene at the beginning. And I'm like, why? So it doesn't make any sense to me. Um, mm-hmm. Especially when you have a show like ZOM 100 Bucket List of the Dead that has a consistent style and like actually knows what it wants to do with it because like for zom 100 i mean they use the colors um so effectively in this show it's a very very colorful um even the key art even the key art's like 
kind of wacky. Yeah, and it's like that first, the whole first episode. I mean, I, I Zom One Hundred, I think, is probably my personal favorite of the batch of probably the originals, but also might be my favorite overall right now. Um, I think it just sells sells itself really well um, with its overall tone as well as kind of like what the story's kind of doing because it's basically about an office worker whose life was so bad that the the zombie apocalypse is a welcome change in his life um <laughs> yeah no it's uh ah finally the world is ending he's like i can do whatever i want now i don't have to go to work and it's just like the fact that like that's so empowering and he's just running for his life from just the from the uh the horde and like the music's blasting and he's just never felt more alive. And like, it's, it's, it's not just using like blood and guts. I mean, it's just using like a rainbow collage of colors in the zombie horde too. So it's like, it's very unique on the eyes. I I definitely like it because it, it reminds me, I think I mentioned this in a previous episode of like the two different ways that you can interpret like nihilism. And this is firmly the second one of like the first one is like nothing matters. And it's all sad and gray or whatever. And then the second one is like nothing matters. And it's got that cool, like, 80s aesthetic and the guy's wearing like a bait like the, the <laughs> image has the dude wearing like a baseball cap and like holding a firework yeah yeah exactly i mean that's it's i think that's probably what they were going for with it too especially because i mean the first half of the episode when he his life is just slowly getting sucked away from his three years at his office it's like the whole the whole color just drains from him and, until the apocalypse happens um yeah Admittedly, I do need to watch. I do need to watch episode one of Zom One Hundred. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, I've, I've seen clips and things, but uh, yeah, it's, it's. I, I spent today. Oh, I was on. just saying. It's, I'm just repeating. It's, it's my favorite one for sure. Um, you're, you're seeing clips Bold. of it. Mm-hmm. Bold of you to say it's your favorite one because, uh, due to the influence of many of my friends, I may have just finished watching episode one of perhaps my favorite one. Uh, but that's not on the top ten, which is sad, but also it's a shame. Y'all should go watch it. We can yeah. we can watch all of it because it's all ten episodes are on Netflix right now. Hell yeah. Yeah. So be- before we go into that, does anybody have any other comments on the chart check? Do we want a real quick speed run Gracie's contribution of hey, please talk about what she's watching this season? Uh yeah. Uh, sure. I all right. Could question mark? Let's see. So basically, basically, are we just naming everything that I was just gonna? I was just gonna say. Uh, I was just gonna read the list that she yeah, sent in you the might as Discord well. chat. All and right, I, I can tell so you is... which ones she really likes watching because she's discussed it to me at the very least, or I've read some okay, of her good. first impressions on Twitter. So Gracie's watching eighteen shows this season, which is significantly lower than normal, which is kind of awesome. Uh, take a break, Gracie, please. Anyway, uh, this is also alphabetized because she sent it in a spreadsheet. Uh, and that is apparently how she lives her life. Um, Sasuga accountant-san. Um, let's, let's get enough, enough uh, ballyhoo. Uh, number one, Ayaka. Any comments? I did not watch Ayaka or do not All right. anything about it. with 3.96% of the vote share. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. Uh, number two, Bungo Stray Dog season five. Hell yeah, yeah that yeah. is number eight on the charts, and I'm very excited because season four kicked off and it was great. <laughs> uh, number three, Hulk. Uh, yeah. Hulk, unfortunately, is the in thirty first place with six point two five percent of the votes. But as somebody who's read the manga and getting a um a vouch from Jack, who actually worked on the manga. Helk is fantastic. Do not let the... It's got a train in it. Yes, it does have a train in it. Do not let the low scores um, 
deter you from watching it. If you like stuff that has a very nice blend of comedy and also like seriousness, kind of like Dungeon Meshi or Delicious in Dungeon or like Golden Kamui, you'll like Help. You just have to get past the first couple episodes, which is going to be a lot of slapstick. Actually, it reminds me more of Gintama now that I think about it. Yeah, it's a lot of yeah. slapstick at the beginning, and then it gets super serious at the end. So, highly recommend Hulk for anybody who is thinking about watching it. It is on my to-watch list. It was one of the things I was going to try to watch before this episode, but then other other more important matters came up. Yeah. Uh, Horimiya, The Missing Pieces in fourth. Or not in fourth, but number four on the list. Uh, I don't watch Horror Mia. I read the manga way before the anime came out, but it. I can vouch that Horror Mia is very good. Y'all should watch it's it. very good. I went to the I went to the panel at AX with Gracie, uh, where we all got to thirst after the Seiyu, um, <laughs> and it was good and excellent. And this is absolutely a like the missing pieces is a hundred percent for people that have watched the first season and possibly also read the manga. It is just a series of vignettes. There's not, like, an interconnected plot between all the episodes. Uh, it is literally the missing pieces. It's kind of the, like, all right, if we wanted to streamline the entire series, what gets trimmed? And then they took all those trimmings, and they turned them into this. Uh, and it's all good. Uh, fifth on Gracie's list is Jujutsu Kaisen Season 2, which we've kind of already discussed. Mm -hmm. uh, sixth on the list is Level 1 Demon Lord and the One Room Hero. What, can you just read the synopsis on that? Like, let's even... I've never heard of this. Um, I would read you the synopsis, but it's not in the I spreadsheet. I feel like the synopsis is just in that title. <laughs> like, it's pretty self-explanatory. Yeah. I just don't know. <laughs> I think the setting is Japan, because it's... I've seen key art, and it's like a Japanese, like, one LDK apartment, so the living kitchen dining oh, or whatever. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Or whatever. Um, and so, I think it's... Yeah, the demon lord got lazy or something, or maybe the other way around. I can't remember. I haven't watched it. We'll we'll pick Gracie's brain about it later. Maybe it'll show up on the on the future charts if it's good. If it's not, if it doesn't show up on the charts, maybe it's just not that good. Um, after that, we have Link Click season two. There was a season one. Yes, there was a season one. Uh, the season one was on it was on Crunchyroll, but not heavily advertised. But I heard, but Isabel's always been a big fan of Link Click, and then she got Gracie into it. I've been trying to watch Link Click, but I haven't had time to finish it, and the girls have been yelling at me to not because I haven't finished it yet. Um, but I can attest that the Link Click season two premiere at Anime Expo was a smashing hit for the people oh, who good. went, and Gracie was like trying to um kind of like poke at Isabel because and make fun of her because Isabel couldn't make it this year. And Gracie was trying to feed her lies like, oh my gosh, in Link Click season two, episode one, X XYZ dies. And Isabel be like, no. <laughs> so so she just wow, I, we are uncovering a, a surprisingly mean side of Gracie for no apparent reason. This is how Gracie heckles us, so Yeah, she bullies people hoping that people will react. And bully her back. Which admittedly so. is the reason why I tease people as well. Mostly yeah, Buddy. That, that makes uh, sense. In loving yeah. memory, he's not dead. We just like to think about him. <laughs> he kind of wanted to join us, honestly. For this he wanted, he wanted like, to be uh, here tonight. No, <laughs> no man. Yeah. <laughs> Poor guy. Sometimes I can steer, still hear his voice. Anyway, after Link Click Season 2 uh, is uh, Malevolent Spirits Monogatari Season 2. Uh, Wait, Gracie's... is it Monogatari or Mononogatari? I don't know 
I really I'm praying she typed that wrong so I can roast her about it. Yeah, later. I think it's supposed to be Monogatari. Um, that one I heard from her that she actually didn't like the first season when she started it, but then after she finished it, she really liked it, and so that's why she's watching season two. But she did say that the animation is uh not that great either. So you just come for the story. Uh, after that is Mushoku Tensei, Jobless Reincarnation Season 2. Okay. It's there. I will watch some clips of it to see if the animation is as good as it was in Season 1, because that was one of the things that people kept talking about, was how good the animation was. It is. And it's, it's probably still uh, Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. And it's also a, a good emotional part in the story. Yeah. They made a, if I remember correctly, they made like a brand new studio just for that show, and then also that studio did Onimai, which is like... Very funny to me for some reason. They gotta pay the bills somehow. Uh... Yep. Yeah, because clearly Jobless Reincarnation, the adaptation of one of the most popular web and light novel series of all time, wasn't paying the bills. I mean, it's like it's like David Production, where it's like they're kind of just the JoJo's studio, but they also have to make like one or two things every so often, like Captain Tsubasa. Yeah, exactly. It's just like I don't know. Maybe it's just they had they had the resources to work on Onimai, and it's also like you get you yeah. get the lesser animators, like the junior animators, help train on like the bigger projects. Like that's this. true. Um, that it's makes pretty it, yeah, important true. to have for a studio. Yeah. Uh, after Jobless Reincarnation, we have My Happy Marriage. That one I wanted to Please watch tell me today. It's... it's it's I think it's is it all out on Netflix now or? Uh, very good question. I do not know. I just know that a lot Netflix? of the JoJo fans are very excited for uh, my happy marriage. Wait, a lot of JoJo fans? So shoujo, shoujo fans. Shoujo, yes. Okay, that makes a lot more sense than JoJo fans. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I I'm I'm pretty excited for it as well because it's that like that historical fiction romance stuff that I'm actually like kind of a sucker for so mm -hmm. okay so so just point, yeah. point of order so um it's coming out weekly even in u.s netflix um so right now there's only two episodes on on netflix right now but um yeah it'll be simulcast so that's that's interesting because uh the other show that we want to talk about that's also on netflix that's also kind of historical fiction drama that 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 whole season is was released all at once yeah so Maybe this is Netflix trying out the simulcast thing again. I know sometimes they'll do that with the show, and I bet they use it to be like, maybe we'll gauge how much people watch simulcast, uh, and then but they only use like shows that people don't know very much about as like a test bed. Maybe it says like, oh, the numbers came back yeah. poorly. Or it could have just been that they they must have thought like, hey, let's release like two drama like historical dramas at the same time, just knowing that like if someone finishes a binge, like it like the algorithm kind of feeds you into the next tangentially related if thing. you if you liked oku inner chambers you might also like apparently 14 more volumes Woo! yes oh my god volumes y'all yep okay all right it so speaking of great. speaking of after my happy marriage next on the list is oku inner chambers all right this is where the, yeah. this is actually the oku episode because i am i am so down to talk about this for another 40 yes, minutes we gotta we're, we're, we gotta finish the list before, uh, we, before we talk about oku okay you killed i me, know but... at this point we should just rattle it off because yeah okay after that it's reign of the seven spellblades followed by the gene of ai followed by the masterful cat is depressed again today followed by the misfit of demon king academy season two followed by the most heretical last boss queen from villainous to savior followed by undead murder farce and followed by Zom 100, Bucket List of the Dead. Those are all the things that Gracie is watching. We'll pick her brain about it later. Anyways, Oku. Great for It's episode. so good. So good. So good. 
It is honestly so good. I literally finished the first episode I, like an hour ago. Like 20 minutes before we started recording. You, you could you could have watched that first episode again <laughs> in that time. Yeah. If I if I didn't start the podcast, yeah. then I yeah. could be re-watching episode one. <laughs> yeah. So um for the listeners out there, there's a there's a bit of an interesting story that happens with Oku. Sometime on the offhand, it actually starts with me, but it technically derives from Gracie. And it unintendedly affected everybody. So sometime during an anime expo, Gracie and I are walking. And then she's like, oh, by the way, there's this really good Netflix show that I think you'll really like because it's historical fiction. And I'm like, okay, I'm listening. She's like, it's called Oku the Inner Chambers. I'm like, okay, whatever. Um, Because obviously it's not, you know, being... Uh, blasted anywhere on the social media or anything so i'm just like yeah, netflix just... is bad about advertising their shows yeah and, uh, yeah that's that's typical netflix right they have their own pr team to deal with so i just kind of like tossed it aside and then when anime expo finished sometime like around wednesday i had taken the day off of work because i was so tired i thought to myself oh yeah reminds me that gracie actually recommended me a show to watch i should probably look into it I literally sat down to watch the first episode and I went, oh my god, this is so goddamn spicy and I love it. <laughs> and I ended up binging the entire season. Episode one, mind you, is about an almost, it's over an hour, hour long. Hour and 15. Yeah, it's it's, it's an hour and 15. Long. It's like a prelude, but sort of set in the future of the story's events. And then everything from season, everything from episode two through episode 10 takes place in the past. So I basically binged all of that in almost like a day and a half. And I was just oh, like, like a, oh, the season's like a flashback. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, the okay, season's cool. like, yeah, it's not really a flashback. It's more like three, it's, seven it's generations. What happened a hundred, a hundred years ago uh, when. More accurately. I think big reveal at the end of episode one. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it is amazing. I had to. I was basically blown away by how subtle and how much research and care is put into the show while all kind of being like a fictionalized setting of a feudal Japan where female shoguns rule the world essentially of Japan but there and but there is an underlying reason why it's female shoguns and that there is a decimated male population. And I was really intrigued by all of this. And I'm just like, I wonder if there's any other source material. I found out there is about 18 volumes worth of source material. And season one of Oku, The Inner Chambers, only covers volumes one through four. So if there's any indication, I also ended up binging that too. And I am currently in the ninth generation of shoguns and I am in the land of hope and despair. Oh my gosh. So <laughs> I love I love that Amir checks recording time. Uh like 30 minutes ago, we were roasting Gracie for binging 20 hours of Final Fantasy 16, and you're here being like, and then I watched all of it, and then I found out I could read all of it. Yeah, I also <laughs> have a bit of an reading <laughs> problem as well. But most people on Girl Talk who know that I read a lot more manga than I do anime, and I do have these yeah. random spurts where I do binge things, and it's a bit easier. Oh for me no, to binge I get things. you. Yeah, I can't watch things on a. I don't. I'm not as disciplined as Gracie, who watches things on a weekly basis. Um, I will binge it if I can or if I want to. So that's my spiel. And then at one point, I kept harping about it to Nico, and to he who shall not be named because he is dead. And at one point, I caught their interest, and they're like, oh, okay, I'm gonna go watch it. And then Nico comes back, and he's just like, oh my god, this is so fucking good. And then he's <laughs> to you, Jace, and then he ended up watching it before this podcast. It was, so it was on my list for a while, because 
even before like Nick got into it, uh, you were super into it. And I was like, okay, I'll give this a watch. But as you both well know, when I say I'll give it a watch, that could mean that I will never get around to it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, But then when like, (laughs) but then Nick was like, oh, it's so good. And I'm like, I'm going to have to watch this because if I don't watch it, every single podcast episode is going to be Nick and Gracie talking about Oku and I'm just going to be sitting there in the corner. It would. Yeah, it absolutely would have been. Sadaj. We we could just change the entire format for our 100th episode. Um, yeah, we are, we're rebranding to the Oku podcast. Oku, all the things. Oku, Oku podcast. For the next I think Netflix years. would be pleased with the PR. Um, yeah. Honestly, I'm just shocked Agnes was, like, so caught up on everything with it, too. Like, Agnes is just, like, too powerful. Like, <laughs> Well, it, the the one thing is that it is historical fiction, and yeah. I breathe anything history-related. I have a history minor, so this is, like, very up my alley. So I was just sitting there, just, like, scrolling through, and I'm like, damn, this is great! Yeah, it, it's, it's, <laughs> it's animated by Studio Dean, which also did shows that I like that were historical fiction, like Shola, Shok- Sh- uh, Rakugo, Rakugo yeah. Shinju, um, which it's kind of oh, yeah, funny I need to watch season two how of they're not the same mangaka, Oku, no. and they're, but, but they follow the same first episode format of like the first episode, yes. like hour long thing before going into the flashbacks. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But like that first episode is just so good that it just it gets my hook. It's spicy, on isn't everything. it? <laughs> I got so bamboozled, like, multiple times. I'm like, oh, man, we're gonna follow this character. Oh, he's gonna die. Oh, wait. Yeah, like, it's... Iconic. It it definitely... There's so much to unpack, I guess, with the setting, because, like, I think the first thing you realize is, like, the fact that it's... It's it's kind of re-envisioning the society now as matriarchy, where the population is 75% women, 25% men. But that doesn't necessarily mean that, like, it's great for women, um, I, no. I think yeah. that like the fact the way how they kind of showed how the society developed and how their traditions um, and like why they were locked into their older traditions is still kind of a mm-hmm. really fascinating way of like kind of demonstrating that um, like how conservative social um, structure kind of like locks people down even yeah. when they were supposed to be in like the position of power in here. Um, yep. I think- yeah, I, I loved Oh, oh I, I was going to say, like, the, the more interesting part, I think one of the plot points in the first episode is, like, the Shogun is a woman, um, but then there's also the the aspect of, like, because she's a woman, she still ha- there's still these ideas of purity. So there's this whole plot point in the first episode where the first person to be with the Shogun is going to have to be executed in secret for, like, paradoxically soiling the purity. And it's, like, one of those things that's, like, it's so, like, it's so wrong because of the, like, it goes back to the older, um, it, it, it goes back to, like, the older train of thought. But, like, because of the power structure is different, it's the fact that, like, the conservative social traditions still preserve that sort of element on, which is why it's something that, like, the Shogun Yune is, like, trying to fix, but, like, can't get rid of it overnight without losing her power. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, the the thing that uh I really liked was one of the um one of the con like subtitle things is just like yeah and and then like all the guys were dying, but the samurai society was so rigidly bureaucratic that it was actually super easy to just slot people into those new positions. Like you aren't people, you're positions, and it doesn't actually matter who's filling those shoes. <laughs> Yeah, and then um, I think the really creative part was that it, there's also a naming convention to them, too. Mm-hmm. So 
Because even though the shogun was a woman, they gave her a masculine name as well to basically kind of like cover up the fact that the shoguns were women at a period of time. And then a lot of the oku or the men that were serving the inner chamber, some of the fan favorites of the shogun would also have very feminine names as well very to very discreetly hide a lot of their like gender identities from like the outside world yeah like uh how every every guy that enters the oku loses their given name and they are referred to only by their their family name because the family names are gender gender neutral yes mm-hmm. because it's yep. it's a last yes name. or they get a name that is very feminine um which we'll you'll see more in the later season <laughs> i see i see there's, there's a reason why um, some of them are bestowed very similar old-fashioned female names, and they are uh, forced to toss away their actual given name, but they still keep their family name, though. I see. Yes, so I I think it's I think the whole like keeping male name conventions on like actual records uh, that popped into my head specifically because of uh, the Dutch dude that's visiting. Yes, and I'm like right because this this disease that you know that eradicated most of the guys. Um, that they there's no mention that it like spread outside of Japan. So like everywhere else is the same history that we're familiar with. Yes. Which is this, you know, patriarchal yes. male dominant society. And getting to play into the fact that Japan has historically been this insular society that doesn't let very many people in and so gets to really control the narrative on how they were seen in the outside world means that they still get to be like, Yes, no, we are the same as you. There is definitely not anything different going on. Yep. Mm-hmm. And Super rad. it's such a great kind of like flip on the whole historical fiction or alternative fiction narrative, uh, alternative historical fiction narrative that this manga, the original manga of Oku, the Inner Chambers, actually won the grand prize for the 13th Tesca Osamu Cultural Prize in 2009. Whoa. So nice. this show is a big deal. It's also a very big deal in Japan because there are multiple versions of live action films and television dramas, but this is the first original net anime for this series. So, you know what I'd love to see? I'd love to see a stage play of this. What would you love to see? Specifically, I'd love to see, and you'll have to forgive me uh, for uh, bringing this show up once again. I would love to see a Takarazuka review performance of this. Because the Takarazuka mm. review was an all-female troupe. Mm. Mm-hmm. It might have been pitched before, but honestly, they have so many shows that they do. That they have a lot of shows. Done so well. Um, but I think also a lot of the, the review shows that they do is more Western stories rather than Japanese It is. Stories. I think one of, the, uh, yeah. one of the most interesting things I've seen, and I don't remember where I saw this Twitter clip, it was from like, a documentary mostly in english mm-hmm. or maybe not a documentary maybe just an interview but it was a takarazuka review performance of fiddler on the roof yeah and mm-hmm. this white guy was in the audience like talking with one of the producers and was like yeah I, i'm surprised that like this show about like eastern european jews is so popular in japan which is a country that is neither white nor jewish mm-hmm. and the producer's like, what are you talking about? This is one of the most Japanese stories ever. Like, the parents <laughs> deciding for their children how they're going to live their lives and the children wanting to, like, push back against that. Like, absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's it's a weird, interesting blend because I think a lot of the reviews, because the review was created during the Meiji period where there was a lot more westernization going on, which is why a lot of their shows are western in context. But at the same time, weirdly enough, they choose plays that are 
that carry the same values as what a Japanese society would typically seek. Yeah, I, I, I would say that's mostly being like, hey, yeah. you, if you want people to come to your show, you got to make sure they like it, whether, like regardless of who's performing it. So, right, yeah, it has to be, for, for them, it has to be, one, a show that is Western-influenced, and then two, also has Japanese values that can be seen through the script. Um, versus for Oku, the inner chambers, even though it's a great idea for it to be in the review, it's just way too Japanese. <laughs> I don't think they yeah. have the costume props to even continue doing something like Oku because all of it is just almost pure Japanese up until the point of the Western um, uh, invasion, question mark. Mm -hmm. Open uh, the country. Stop yes, having open... it be closed. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Which you won't see in the anime, but if you read the manga, it, it does get up to that point, yes. Oh, excellent. I think paradoxically yeah. what's kind of interesting is like the Takarazza, like might not even like exist in the world of oku like no if that makes sense no, it like it would, it would because of the fact that like it's it's just like the the society is kind of radically different um there's so still like a, in the manga mm -hmm. um you do have it's the the time they talk they do talk about plays in the manga but the plays were more not at the beginning of the shogunate era, like when Iemitsu's in power, but more so kind of like in the middle and the later half of the shogunate period where there was more like Western influences and they were, uh, they were male and female characters that were starting to re-swap their roles. Um, so that was where the discussion of the play started to come in back into the fold of this whole like weird societal hierarchy is because like who should actually be on stage is it actually men or is it actually women um but that uh play part is neither related to the takuraza review because takuraza review is much further out into the future nor is it related to any of like the older edo style plays because they don't really talk about that during the very traditional edo period mm -hmm. it's just like those yeah, seeds that like eventually would build into that kind of movement going yes in, eventually yes but you have to read the manga yeah. for that because it's also like Besides the fact that, like, there's the huge gender gap change, but it's also the fact that, like, Japan as the country goes through giant plagues. So there's there's a lot of, like, crazy destruction that they already had gone through at the beginning that it's also trying yes. to examine as a society. Um, but and then it results in the 75-25 um, gender gap um, within mm -hmm. the, the country. So, I like, it, it's just these two little small things that it's, like, that I think end up contributing, like, a huge... Uh, way to like radically reshape um what the country looks like but then also does it in just such an organic way like it feels so it's really interesting and in how it builds yep. up like that that um it, it i think it's a lot more believable than a lot more alternate history um style stories i think i agree yeah I think, and also in terms of, like, this is not the first story that's been like, hey, what if men's roles and women's roles were reversed? But this is the only one I've seen that actually handles it reasonably well. Like, everything else seems like this ham-fisted, like, oh, yeah, we're gonna make characters, and they're gonna do stuff, and everybody, and I feel like every reader's like, that's not how anybody would act in that situation. Whereas here, and I think I would chalk it up partially, like, partially to just really good writing, and partially to, again, that rigid class structure that's like doesn't matter who you are this is how you behave uh, yeah exactly because it's like um, part of that, it goes back to that whole thing about when the women have to change their names to be the man's name when they like when they took um inherit, inherit stuff. stuff and it's like 
this is the first time someone's even questioning, like, why do we even have this tradition in the first place? Because it's kind of referencing the, the different times of old. That, But it's just the fact that, like, no one has the guts to even challenge why they had these existing structures, even though pow- power balance might have changed in the world of Oku. Um, Ooh, I also like you'll, that... You'll, you'll, like, you'll see. You'll see. There are definitely characters that do challenge the structure. You'll see it definitely in the anime's first episode. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, second episode, yep. actually. Yeah, yeah, so. exactly. That's kind of what I'm alluding to. Because it's like, these are the such the interesting things, I think, that make me, like, continue to think about this show. Um, besides the fact that, mm-hmm. like, all the characters, I think, are really, really strong, too. Um, I think everyone likes the Shogun the most. Everybody <laughs> likes the Shogun. I appreciate her greatly uh oh, okay we're just gonna let that hang in the air yeah All yeah right. just, just um, a little bit just a little okay bit longer that. um oh my god uh, i will i will save the finer details of that for another episode uh mostly for time reasons but also uh one other comment i want to well mostly for i'm saying for time reasons but mostly because if i i'm not gonna expose myself to that degree <laughs> um i do i do want to comment that i think it's really funny and also very accurate that 80 years is long enough for everybody to forget a bunch of stuff because this was back when you lived to like the ripe old age of 50 and then died so like it has been like three generations maybe even like four generations since that happened and since a lot of people aren't are like are illiterate especially the common folk uh things just don't get remembered Mm -hmm. also a lot of people died so like there's fewer people to remember anything so i think that's neat and accurate and cool and I also wanted to bring back the FGO history hour <laughs> because uh, this, so this was the thing to me that made me feel like a big smarticle particle was when they were talking at the end of episode one about Kasuga no Tsubone, uh, the, the person who created the Oku. I'm like, Oh, I know who that is. I know who that is. I know why roughly the Oku was created. Uh, and the reason I know that, is because there was a fake Grand Order event <laughs> that was themed around the Oku, and so I'm like, oh, I know the lore, because I had to learn the lore already in a video game. Oh my god, uh, that's the tie-in? I had no the, idea. Oh, that is... That's the, reason, that's the reason why I know anything about the Oku, is because I had to do a little bit of research back when the event first dropped, because I'm like, clearly fake Grand Order is going to take some liberties oh. with actual history. I should look up what the actual history is first, so I know what the cool references in the video game story are. Oh, it's this and that's event. The only reason- oh god, I, I, I barely remember this event, but like I didn't have time to actually do it when it came out. But oh, that's what it's based yeah. off of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's the it's the it's the event that they released Kama on, which yes. is yes, like yes, yes, yes. goofy as heck, because it's like, ah, here is an event that is based on a well-known thing from Japanese history. And who's the headline servant going to be? The Indian <laughs> God of Love. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that's my connection to the Oku, which I realized, like, there's going to be a lot of people that are watching this show, hopefully, I guess, because it means a lot of people are watching it, that have no idea what the, like, the real Oku was. So mm-hmm. this is going to be, like, super interesting. Yep. To see people's reactions, hopefully. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Well... It's been an hour, roughly. Do we have any closing comments on anything at all? Like, whether it be the Oku or just shows? This was a very weird first impressions because we... Oh, 
actually, I realized there was one show that I wanted to talk about but didn't because it wasn't on anybody's lists. Um, it's the My Senpai at Work is Tiny and Cute. Uh, I, I watched the first episode of it. It's fine. <laughs> um, it, it has... Um, it, they, they made it a little more suggestive than the original manga because the original manga is a four coma. Uh, I think their casting choices are a little odd. The, the male lead sounds really young which I'm not necessarily opposed to because he's supposed to be like fresh out of college. But uh, the senpai character also sounds really young and she is three years older than he is. And so I would have appreciated for story reasons only and definitely not personal preference, a slightly more mature voice. Mm. But I'm, I'm still enjoying it. It's got the like it, it is leaning into the kind of like derp faces that get used a lot in the manga. Uh, and so as long as they keep doing that, I think I will continue watching it. Yeah. Thanks for yeah, listening. I, I don't, I just, sorry, I'm going back to go any watch Moroku, like to be honest, like yeah, just, all just episodes are out. And the fact that there's like 14 volumes of manga is like, dang. 18? And there's live action. I am yeah, feasting. Yeah, there's live action. Oh my gosh. Gracie, oh, is, I have this, the one yeah. comment from Gracie about the live action is that the live action of Yoshifune is very hot. So if people want to watch is that, the Oh, is that action, the one that got sent in the group chat? Yes, oh, that's her. Yeah, no, she's pretty hot. Y'all, y'all, if y'all want to watch the live action drama, go watch it. But if y'all we also want to watch the anime, go watch it. Honestly, just have a Both party and watch this together. This would be so Hell yeah. Fun. Yeah. Well, geographically, that might be a little different difficult but we'll make it work we got the power we'll of it Discord. Work, yeah. we can make it <laughs> that's true we can make it a digital watch party yeah. hell yeah we should do that um yeah watch oku read oku watch other anime we will be back maybe next week if i can figure out what we're getting this is episode 99 for all of you that have been paying attention at home which means that we have to do something interesting for episode 100 and i totally forgot about it so yeah, and if we don't have anything fun, we'll just label the next episode as episode 99 part two and just continue that on indefinitely until we can think of something very fun. But hopefully next week we'll be having a pretty good time. It's a hundred episode. Yeah, that's so many. Which is kind of funny because I think Girl Taku cleared a hundred episodes like a yep. while ago. Yep. Yeah, I think we're right now on. Let me take a look, actually. Um, we are on eleven eighteen coming up soon, so stay tuned for next Tuesday for eleven eighteen. Yeah, actually, this is the ideal time. Plug Girl Taku. Yes. Explain it again for all of our uh, Girl listeners. Girl Taku is a um a podcast under Anime Trending with usually three girls, and then we also have some special guests with us as well. Uh, we talk about a variety of topics regarding anime, which are usually like character analysis, trope dissections personal preferences in anime and the next part of our girl taku which is girl taku episode uh, 118 will be about women creators of anime but working in staff so a lot of directors source um uh, script writers and people that work in and women who are in animation so stay tuned for that coming up soon and you can always join us by following Girl Taku on Spotify and also on and on Twitter at uh, Girl Taku underscore AT. And if you want more of this podcast, you can find it at at Trends Pod. Uh, there's also a thread account that has nothing on it because I you will you'll have to put a gun to my head before I start posting on there. Uh, we're just, we're just gonna cross post whatever we have funnies on Twitter. I think for now. Um, yeah. 
we we made it like right when it right when threads dropped but it's pretty apparent that threads is, is here to stay um so be sure yeah. to follow the anime trending account also like the main account on threads not just the podcast accounts because we're just getting all of those social media um up and running again on the new platform <laughs> uh, there was a great meme i saw which was like social media managers clocking into work to find a yet another platform they have to post on there's just like this guy crying at his computer yeah a little bit but i mean yeah that's about it yeah but it, it, at least threads is kind of like one-to-one of what we expect from twitter so that means that we don't have to change too much like if it was like a if it was like another like platform that was like radically different like tiktok then yeah i'd be crying right now um mm-hmm. truly uh if you want more nick on the tweeter twitter not ei twitter uh if you want tweets from twitter from nick where can they find you nick yeah you can find me at nico the neko you could also find me on threads at nico the neko i didn't post anything there i just took the account very good you can find me at at konotilda and i don't have a threads account because i keep uh my like grandparents follow me on facebook and my instagram is connected to my facebook and uh, my grandparents are not going to find out about anime trending i don't want to have oh, to explain you've made that to a mistake you got to make a new instagram account <laughs> yeah Start i'll over. make it i'll make a new no i'll just post i'll just do what gracie does and just turn the podcast account kind of into your personal account so you're gonna oh start seeing like all sorts of like train posting on the anime trending threads account so get ready for that i guess yeah <laughs> anyway uh thanks so much for listening everybody and we'll see you next time Bye, everyone. Bye-bye.